Hello, I'm Carly McDowell, and this is the Shared Road podcast, where we talk about lived experience and wisdom around shining the light on complex, toxic relationships, narcissistic abuse, coercive control, breaking cycles of family, generational trauma and dysfunction, and unraveling the binds to free ourselves from suffering. Today on this first episode, I am joined by my dear friend and mentor, Amber Hawken, who is a trained multi-modality holistic therapist. In this conversation, we talk about how we met, the work that we've done together, our individual stories, shared experience. So let's dive in. There may be content shared in this discussion that you could find triggering. So please listen in a space and time that feels comfortable for you. A few years ago, when I met you by chance, I was aware that I still had the subtle remains of healing following a a breakup with a destructive person that had ended a few years prior and literally brought me to my knees. I was still navigating another complex and hurtful human in my life that I had ties to and establishing my business, parenting alone to beautiful little humans, working through limiting beliefs and unraveling childhood conditioning, which had led me into all of these situations. And I was just looking for support and someone to gently guide me and genuinely believe in me. And then you appeared. So here we are. Thank you. Thank you for being here. Such an honor. It really is, truly. So I'm a Vedic meditation teacher and I help people connect to their true self beyond their mind, beyond their trauma, beyond conditioning, stories, programs that they're running and all those aspects of self that can wear us down. And so you do this across a broad range of modalities, holistic healing modalities and I'd love for you to share how this has become your path and now your purpose. Thank you. And it really is such an honor to be here. As I said before, I'm just so, so freaking excited for this. This is going to be so exceptional for so many women and I'm sure men across the world. Um, It's just an honor to, to be in this first inaugural podcast I have to say that first so yes and then I'll answer your question I'll try and nutshell it because this is definitely um for context wise but so that we can move into the to the beauty of what the shared road is about so um in a really 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 nutshell I, I grew up in a really quite an abusive environment very emotionally abusive environment didn't know it and of course many of us don't right and that's why when we get into toxic relationships when we're older, um, it just feels normal. <laughs> mm-hmm. So um, that's like some groundwork foundational context because you fast forward and, you know, I live my life. I like loved athletics. I played um, representative soccer for uh, Qu- Queensland and sport and sprinting and loved school and loved doing well and loved science and all those things. And I had a ball and then, I decided to choose radiation therapy as my career and to to treat cancer. And so I studied towards that and went to work in gyms and graduated and worked in the hospitals. And then um, things kind of took a bit of a 180 turn there of feeling 
um, multiple different things have felt very out of alignment in, in the hospital for me. It just didn't feel like the right place. Absolutely loved working with the patients. Um, you know, I loved what I'd studied, but it actually, I didn't know <clears throat> why fully back then it didn't align, but I just knew it didn't. Um, so mm. I thought, well, I can leave. And so this is, you know, after years of studying and then about 18 months of like graduation working, um, so I was gone within 18 months and thinking, well, I can come back. I can come back in six months or a year or something. And I didn't want to go back into university and study human behavior and psychology because of what I had experienced in the hospital of the red tapes and the limitations and the approach that, you know, was very fundamental at treating illness, um, but not, not, um, designed to to get people really well you mm. know um absolutely mm. love emergency care and my gosh I'm grateful for if I ever need it and for those who mm. have but it just wasn't the place for me so I looked at other routes to go down um because humans had always had always very interested in human beings um probably because of some of the abuse that I did suffer or experience mm-hmm. in you know my parents split when I was three my mom was an alcoholic she did abuse drugs and um, probably a lot of other substances in her, her life. And my stepmother in her own suffering um, was quite cruel to me. And my father in his own uh, not understanding himself and his the abuse from his, more specifically his father, um, who didn't really protect me in ways that I, as a child, needed that protection. So I had kind of these, mm-hmm. these frameworks and these blueprints um, that I was always interested in. And I know that seems mm-hmm. odd, but as a kid, like I remember um, when I went to a grief counsellor at my little Catholic school in Biloela, when my mum's mum died, who was very, very close to, I remember explaining to her, in very specific detail exactly how I felt and exactly what I needed and exactly what was going on and I look back then and think what the actual like how did I under you know how did I pull Mm. that apart so this curiosity about humans and emotions and behavior was was very very um present Mm. so that's when I went down and explored different modalities of understanding humans and supporting them with behavior and I first went into um neuro-linguistic programming which to me was interesting because I was so heavily um, focused and curious about how the mind impacts emotion behavior and, and how we can work with the brain and how it can, um, how it's programmed can be reprogrammed, how we can be free of it and what we can do and all those different things. And also the psychosomatic aspect of human beings. So as in the connection between like our mind and our body and the physical manifestation of like disease in the body or disharmony in the mind and emotions and it all kind of winds in together. So I did multiple different modalities. I also studied diploma of mindfulness-based cognitive behavioral therapy. I went and studied in an ashram in the Netherlands um, to do traditional Hatha yoga and pranayama. I um, traveled the world a lot and um, just kept kind of tapping into different modalities and different um lineages and different cultures and just explored them and I either did trainings in them or I did training underneath teachers and one of my really really um one of my greatest experiences I guess that influenced me 
Um, and I haven't actually spoken about her all that much, but she's been popping up lately. So I want to mention her. Her name's Moira Williams and she's um, an incredible counselor on the Gold Coast and she does energy healing work. And she did like what I guess you could, depends on what, what lens you're looking through, but childhood regression or soul retrieval or, um, you know, that really trauma work. And I just felt that this was so deeply excellent in exploration and not that we need to go back and explore everything, but if something is coming up in your present life, then it's there to be, to be looked at. So I explored training in that area. And anyway, fast forward and 10 years or so of running really deep healing multimodality retreats and working with clients. And then naturally that when people kind of clear what was conditioning and clear their stuff, um, they become quite liberated and then creative and then want to move into, you know, business and entrepreneurship because there's such this liberation. It's just how it moves. And so I have those two ends of the spectrum of my career. So I work with um, probably 70, 30 women, men, um, because we have our um, retreats for alchemy retreats for men and alchemy retreats for women. But then I have like my supercharge programs and my thrills program and things like that, which more focus on looking at the creation in physical form, but also those shifts on the inside on a quantum level too. So mm. it's a very broad range. And I feel like that was still a long nutshell, but <laughs> you get the idea. There's a lot there. And I feel that, yeah, when we go into this stuff, it, it'll give some good context of, of experience of um, mm. how incredibly important this podcast is and the work that you're doing is thank you thank you for sharing I was wondering as you were speaking then at what point along that journey when you you went from more western focused professional uh, direction to into healing modalities and exploring more broadly at that time were you conscious that you were also working through understanding your own family history upbringing Mm. Or had you already done that or was that part of the journey? Oh, definitely part of it. Um, yeah. You know, all of, I think all of my teachers, all of my really, um, the teachers that influenced me the most, um, they only take you on as an apprentice or as a student when you're working. It's like you, you need to work through your stuff simultaneously, but you also use it. And so there was um, mm. absolute like held to a very high standard of dealing with those things to be in an integrity and deeper understanding and empathy. And, you know, part of my work, I guess, part of the thing that, um, you know, feedback over the years that just listening to, to clients is I've got a lot of lived experience in it and processing that lived experience and understanding Mm. how difficult that path can be and how messy and chaotic and long and winding and wild it is. So yeah, absolutely. And still, I'm still very human. Yeah. yeah. It's an unraveling. It's an unraveling. And so when I met you, I, I sort of felt like I'd done an awful lot. I'd been practicing yoga and meditation and, and seeing different um, therapists and healers for over 20 years. And, but I'd clearly taken the direction of yoga and meditation back when I was 17. I'm now 43. Um, uh, to support my own journey. And it was just this slow unraveling of what was going on. I was always consciously trying to figure out my family dynamic. I didn't, you know, it, it always felt like a burden. It always felt painful. It always caused me 
suffering mm. um, this dynamic with my mother. It was just these constant cycles of, uh, you know, fighting, falling out, love, fighting, falling out, love, and just never quite understanding, like, what is it that is the problem here? Um, and then, you know, it really, it, it took me to 40 to understand really what I was dealing with and what was going on in my own family dynamic. And then, you know, another really toxic relationship to kind of bring it all to light. And, you know, so it's consciously unraveling, but it just takes time. Like it just takes time to figure out everything and all the pieces of the puzzle. Like, oh, of course I landed in in that situation because I hadn't quite mm. done that, even though I'd actively always trying to do the right thing to take care of myself or what have mm -hmm. you. But, you know, along the way certainly haven't been perfect either because as a result of um, being raised in a Dysfunctional? Yeah, dysfunctional is absolutely the best use of words for it. This dysfunction meant that I had, I created almost dysfunctional ways myself to survive, to cope. Mm. Um, so, yeah, it's, and then to realise those, my, uh, my own patterns mm. um, and how I was showing up in relationship with it, whether it be, professionally in a, a business relationship or personal relationship or friendship and then refining and unraveling um, so that I could always be the best and most pure expression of myself um, just with all these huge challenges and hurdles along the way and and they eventually either liberate you or they or they take you down <laughs> and yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah so I wonder if you could share with me what comes to mind when we talk about relationship in your life that um, might relate to the shared road and mm. toxic relationship. I have had multiple experiences with um, someone displaying behaviours of toxicity, abuse, manipulation, gaslighting, narcissism, um, dismissal, minimization, which I, I must caveat right there and then. That, it that we pull this in because of our own self-neglect and our own disconnection. Mm. Um, but it doesn't justify it, doesn't make it okay, and it doesn't negate the fact that how deeply, deeply traumatizing it is. But I do want to just note there is pattern for a reason, you know, because there's pattern within ourselves. However, I think part of the importance, um, Probably the, the most painful, the most brutal, the most traumatizing relationship that I had was um, I met. So I, I actually still like get shivers about it. There's so mm. much, so much healing that I did for it. And most of it, and I want to kind of begin with this. Um, I think the most important part is the deep self-forgiveness, you know, because um, women and men, I don't know, this is, this is mainly about women. I just want to acknowledge men in there at a point mm. because I think yeah it's very you know right. it's important but yeah um speaking as a woman um you know as a woman uh, when you're working with this you're you're exposing your most deeply vulnerable part and most women who find themselves in these relationships of abuse and manipulation and gaslighting are actually incredibly intelligent like incredibly mm. wise incredibly powerful mm. and that's part of the humbling and that's part of the healing because they've this person that has been abusive 
generally represents a piece of their um, family dynamics that is not yet healed or the loop has not closed yet. Mm. And so they're generally quite vulnerable, which they're not normally. So tends to um, go so much deeper and it's so much more painful. Yeah. And so this person that I met was a yoga teacher Mm. um, and said all the right things, was incredibly, incredibly intelligent, um, like intellectual intelligent. And he turned out to be uh, like in a marriage of 10 years Mm. and he had been um, previously cheating on his wife of 10 years that entire time but lying and gaslighting or getting caught and then promising to never again or making it her fault and all this different Mm -hmm. stuff Mm -hmm. Um, but the real cherry on top in this relationship is that he um, he did tell her and he did leave her but he made it her fault Mm. he like said you know, learned about this experience later talking to her mm. and then talking because mm. I'm, you know, I communicated with her later mm. down the track. Mm. Often um, the way. So often yes. Yeah. Going through and, that. Yep. And, um, and, you know, he had, he'd been seeing me. Meanwhile, she was his like driver um, because he didn't have a license. And so she would always drive him to his work, do whatever he needed and, and almost mothered him you know, in a way. Um, and then when he kind of told her, this is like, you know, we're, we're breaking up. Um, she's, you know, it's like, you cheated on me. He's like, no, we haven't. No, I didn't. Don't be stupid. We haven't, we haven't been, we haven't really been together. And just like, you know, denied and dismissed all of that to her. Mm. And mm. like that, I remember learning that later and just feeling sick to my stomach of, mm. of learning of this. And, mm. um, and I actually fell pregnant and hadn't had a termination to him. And this was an incredibly, a big, big, big part of the, the pain of my experience of that because I do trust life. And I thought, well, well, this is here, you know, for, for mm. whatever reason, like, am I meant to learn through this or grow through this? And I really battled within myself and I actually, um, had an enormously oh, painful but very, very profound liberating experience when I just chose what was right, what I felt was right for me and whatever this spirit was because my intuition was so deeply amplified when I was pregnant mm. and I, because I was so deeply anxious, you could see how anxious and insecure and fearful and afraid I was mm. and every time I tried to approach something before he confessed later that, he was actually in a relationship with his wife and I wasn't crazy and da, 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 da. Um, he like opened up one layer, but then didn't tell me the other layers and the other women and the other conversations mm-hmm. and the other things, but it would like tell me a little bit. It's almost like to satisfy that and say, look, I've come clean. You can trust me. But mm-hmm. then there were so many layers underneath it all. And so it was the most confusing thing ever because I felt like I was absolutely crazy because I would be triggered by like these certain women. I would just feel like very, like my body would respond and I would speak and say, is there something there? Like, is there, you know, maybe have you been with them in the past? Oh, you're so crazy jealous. You have to let this go. And of course I would find out later he had either cheated on his wife with that woman or he went on to cheat on me. And so there was something there. And mm. so um, while I was pregnant, while I wasn't pregnant, before I was pregnant, after I was pregnant, like it was, it was an absolute mess. And I was like a 
shell of myself. I think I lost something mm. like eight or nine kilos. Yeah. I doubted myself. I was so mm. excruciatingly humiliated. I was embarrassed in myself. I was broken inside. And that was just, there was just so much abuse. There was so much lie. Mm. There was so much craziness going on. And I had at that point, because this is only four years ago, and so at that point, I had already been working with people for so long and helping them with this, with abuse and, you know, narcissism, of course, mm. that comes up. But to go through it <laughs> was a whole different ball game. Mm. And so it, you know, and exposed any area of my life where that was still showing up, whether that was even with friends, mm. you know, or if it, and, and yes. let me look at the roots of like my family tree of where, because it's almost like this person was like the, the combination of like four all abusive of things, yeah. foundational relationships in my life, and all together yeah. it was all mixing. It was like a mm. like an absolute cocktail of mm. ugh, terror. Yeah, yeah. So my level of empathy and understanding mm, to to support women through that to leave because at the point when I left, I I I actually did it in a way where I remember going in. To, I got a friend to go with me. Ironically, actually, really, mm. it's quite beautiful. I asked my now partner, who will be the father of my child, to come with me just on the drive so <laughs> that when I left, there was someone in the car there, mm. you know, because it would always get pulled back in to this yeah. crazy abusive cycle, yeah. right? Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. And this is years and years before we were together, obviously, but we yeah. were, in a, were in a friendship, friendship. group and stuff. And, and um, mm. yeah, it was just... It, I, I, I had lost so much trust in myself that I, I knew I couldn't go alone because I would, I would crumble and cripple and go back. And mm. it was absolutely effed. It was the most effed up thing I've ever experienced in my whole life. But it transformed me and it transformed me with strength and power and most of all my ability to see, communicate, support. And that is why I have so much respect for you because of what you have been through at the 10th degree of what I'm sharing and your ability to therefore lead women and, and, and hold space for that and guide that is beyond um, many, many, any, any, many therapists I know because of your mm-hmm. background, but most of all your experience. And so I'm just, this is just so important because mm-hmm. I had someone there say to me, you're not crazy. It's okay. You can leave, call me. And it was imperative imperative for me who was that it was a girlfriend of mine that I met um her name is Beck and she had just Mm. shared at an event that she was at she was in this abusive relationship and so one night when I um it was a night where um he became physically violent and he hadn't really before with me a little bit but not any threw me against the room ripped my shirt off me ripped my necklace pushed me and then and then of course I um did what many do and I soothed him because it's a safety defense mechanism to soothe them yeah soothed him apologized to him Mm. made him okay Mm. and then when he'd fallen asleep I was like paralyzed and then I messaged her and I was like this just happened I have no idea what to do right now I'm so scared I'm paralyzed I can't move and she talked me through it step by step wow you're lucky to have her because so many people don't have that person that has been through it you know even though a lot have a lot of people 
and are even too scared to say at that point what's actually going on. Yeah. You know, it, it's, it, it's terrifying because it's a realisation of all of the things too, the situation yeah. that you're now in. I had two supports. I had two. I had another woman in Switzerland who I had told about this because I couldn't believe that I couldn't break the grip. It was, it was like an out-of-body yeah. experience. I knew. I knew mm. to go but I just needed this support like I'd never needed in my whole life. Mm. And I'm one of the toughest people I know, you know, <laughs> and I'm like, yeah. And Holy this is only, crap. And it's only four, four years, years ago, ago, you know, you're not, you're not no. um, in your early twenties and inexperienced and haven't built that strength yet. Like you're yeah, I'm late twenties. Yeah. This is, uh, and, and what you touched on before about, this is often really intelligent women, strong women that, you know, emotionally um, intelligent. And we don't just find ourselves in these situations because of this sort of belief that perhaps we're broken, we're wounded, we're this, we're that. Everyone's got those aspects of self, mm. but, um, you know, it, it's, it's often that those types of personalities these narcissistic types of personalities are actually drawn to well they're drawn to the very the very deep vulnerable part of our heart that we've not let anyone else get to yes right which is our and, work and to our do. strength and our strength mm. for sure yeah so. but then what happens is over time and obviously you don't go into these relationships uh, with this degree of destruction in the beginning no. so slowly it's usually very perfect yeah, clearly yeah but when you come out of it most most women will say but i'm 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 an intelligent woman carly mm. like i'm strong i don't know how i even got myself into this like i you know I, I i could see even the red flags but i but i still gave them another chance like i could see things that weren't quite right but my heart wanted to help mm. support or whatever um but it just subtly creeps in and that's that's the devastating part about how it ends up so destructive is that it's all so subtle, yeah. the aspects of it. It's emotional abuse. It's cycle, yeah, hidden from so other covert. people often, um, psychological abuse, and it's designed to slowly weigh you down mm-hmm. so that uh, you don't leave and that you continue to, you know, um, put up with the next round of abuse and then that slowly creeps in and then it's when it might start to get physical or whatever mm-hmm. the case may be doesn't always but and then you second guess yourself like I oh, so in one much. of my relationships I was physically abused and like to the point where I was really bruised and really hurt and I didn't even recognize that that was the start of mm. something really serious going on to a whole new level it was up it was upping and um and I even made a joke about it knowing how messed up the whole thing was there was a part of me but my whole inner guidance system was just flipped on its head upside down washing machine inside out I didn't know right from wrong what was going on was it my fault had I invited that in somehow like yeah I the blame of self is so deep isn't it oh yeah like and and then the fear of oh I'm in so deep in this one and I love so hard it's unhealthy and it's not love I see that now but it, it you know, it's a trauma bond, I guess, but um, how do I get out of this? Because if I even admit that that thing just happened, that means that the whole thing's, mm-hmm. you know, there's a lot to, there's a lot to back out from at that point. But um, thank you for sharing. And what I realized as well as you're speaking is that 
we were probably coming out the back of it at the same time, you know, four mm. years ago was so interesting, you know, to have these shared experiences at roughly the same stage of our life as well and be so, yeah. And to just also such a beautiful thing to now honor how mm. far we've both come and what we've both achieved personally and professionally. And I think that's the whole basis to what I want this, my intention for this podcast is really to share with people that these huge things go on and we have these experiences, but that you do come out the other side, mm. you know, you can, there's, there's hope and that you're not alone. Exactly. And exactly. And you're and not crazy mm. and you can do it. And all of this, which is why this is so important. Did I say that? <laughs> yes. You said okay, that. good. Carl's. I would love to turn this around for a moment and just place the mic over to you because you have so much experience in this. I have been the one to be honoured to be able to guide you through deep, deep, deep healing with this, that you have been so humble and just, you know, you are, you are your own healer and you have been through this and you've taken it in deep stride and owned um, and integrated and transformed and transmuted and it has been exceptional to watch. And I'd love to just place the mark on you and if you could share some of the dysfunctional relationships that you've experienced um really that there is you've got some (laughs) doozy stories (laughs) and then move into and I know in other episodes you can go into that Mm -hmm. deeper but I, I think it's really important for people to understand the context and the the depth of experience that um so people, women listening to this and men listening to this, because men, you are so, so deeply um, valued and honoured in the experience you've had with narcissistic relationships, whether with men or women mm-hmm. too. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, yeah, and then I want to ask you a few more questions. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so would you mind sharing with us mm-hmm. your experiences? Yeah. So I think, you know, my upbringing uh, is probably – great place to start so I uh, grew up in Sydney on the northern beaches in a little beachside town uh, called Newport and I live right near there now and I was am a single um, sorry an only child and my mother was single parenting and I was raised by her and a couple of wonderful stepdads along the way who were um, solid, healthy, masculine support and an incredible grandmother. My grandmother passed away when I was 14 and was it just at that time in high school where I was um, I was training every morning as a figure skater and uh, going to skate at 4.30 in the morning before high school and I had all the support in the world from my grandmother but not from my mother. Uh, my grandmother was the one that got up at 4.30 every morning to take me ice skating and she would come and pick me up from if I wasn't at her house um, from my mum's and, yeah, she was my rock and I used to call her mum. I loved her so much. So I had, I guess, what I didn't realise at the time was, you know, not a lot of stability in my family um, unit. My mum was always having a really great time and good on her. It was the 80s and, you know, she was living her best life and, you know, doing, you know, what she felt she needed to do to 
manage her herself, but, but I guess I didn't feel like a priority a lot of the time. And I spent a lot of the time trying to, to please her, to make her happy. I always felt a sense of like concern for her and just to a degree that it was my responsibility to, to kind of people mm. please and manage her erraticness, volatility. She was um, not very reliable and all sorts of things, but she wasn't a bad mother. It just was, um, you know, not what I saw a lot of my other friends in Newport growing up with. And um, needless to say, my grandmother passed away and then I kind of my world collapsed and it was just mum and I and her then partner, soon to be first husband, um, living together. And I quit ice skating and went off the rails a little bit um, and then moved out of home because I was just constantly fighting with mum. Um, it was tumultuous. It was just like I felt like this person never was just not kind to me at times, not all the time, only some of the time. I just felt infuriated. I just felt like we were just so, so different and I couldn't figure her out. So at 17, I moved out of home. I moved in with a boyfriend and I was off to start my, my new life. And yeah, I had some really lovely relationships um, through my then blossoming adult life. And, and I moved to Melbourne and yeah, they've not all been toxic by any means, but I very much was already on my yoga meditation journey, trying to unravel what was going on in my family dynamic. And mm. fast, fast forward, I get to 26 and I'm moving to London for work. And I, again, am all about starting a new life, just almost this deep. It's, it's hard to, to speak about, but I really wanted to get away from my mother. I wanted to get away from the responsibility of having to take care of her. Uh, I still yeah. felt like at 26, having moved out of home at 17, she expected from me everything, that everything I did was about mm. her. Everything that I did was about her happiness. Um, you know, at the age of 10, I remember throwing surprise parties for my mum to try and gather friends to make her happy mm. to do the right thing by her. You know, I have all these little flashbacks. But it was just bad that it always caused me pain. I felt yeah. like I was providing, the roles were reversed. I felt like I was providing happiness for her and that she wasn't just my solid. So needless to say, I end up in a relationship with someone that I then know I am taking on as, to a degree, a responsibility to make them happy. And I ended up marrying that person. And I thought that, you know, healing would happen in relationships because it does. And that we would move through those aspects of both of us not being healed. You know, I had my own stuff that I was bringing mm -hmm. in and he had his own stuff. But needless to say, um, I spent eight years in relationship with that person and I never felt like I could, I was still trying to make them happy. And, I, mm -hmm. you know, now being out of it and um, having gone through hell on the outside of the marriage, actually post-separation abuse, I can see now that, I can see the person that I was going into that based on my family generational trauma, as well as um, I can see that their intention was to control and manipulate and kind of, you mm -hmm. know, um, it was a toxic, it was a toxic dynamic and it, it, it was just what it was. And um, he's got his own family generational stuff. So we all do, but um, needless to say, two beautiful children came out the back of that and you still navigate that now yes but yeah I do but it's it's so um 
<laughs> I'm not, um, I'm not alone in that now. There's someone else that's also navigating that. So I'm I'm a long way down the track now. When I first met you only a couple, of, a couple of years ago, I was sort of still quite in deep because, um, mm-hmm. you know, like it's just so many moving parts to these things. But but I've been able to create such firm boundaries now. And I'm. it's so long mm-hmm. ago, like we're now separated as long as we were married and together virtually. So um you know, it's softened over time with just constant firm boundaries and my strength and um, and my ability to not inflame a very volatile person. And so there's, yes. there's so many um, degrees in how to get to a place where you find. Because people will listen to this, right, and they'll want to learn to get out. But I, I one of the reasons, again, why I think this is absolutely imperative is because um, some women might hear about being able to leave or men might be able to hear about leaving toxic relationships but Mm. fear what do I do then because I have children with them you know and so that's why your experience is so deeply unique because there are not many people that I have met on my um you know being doing what I what I do who have Mm. mastered what you have mastered it is exceptional so actually I want to kind of caveat here if, if we can go into a um, mm. no, actually let me segue here. <laughs> Excuse my pregnant brain, everyone. <laughs> I'm pushing your baby out my vagina in about four weeks. So the process, the, the different mm. stages, you know, um, from like being in it without even realizing that you're in it to being completely deeply empowered with, um, you know, mostly or all feeling incredibly healed and balanced and and no no longer charged and, mm. and in pain from the experience mm. both in the relationship but also wherever the patterns came from foundationally can you can you kind of unpack the those stages that you've you've kind of seen people go through and I know it's you know probably similar to labor mm. it's, it's so different for everyone but um yeah can you give us a bit of an overview of that yeah uh, so much of this I had to figure out myself and that that was just by I don't know, some, somehow realizing, well, this is a particular form of um, abuse and then exploring deeply what that is. So mm-hmm. I guess the first stage is recognizing and getting support from someone as to like, what is this type of personality and yeah. type of control? And, um, you know, is it coercive control? Is it, is it subtle? Is it hidden? Is it obvious? What is what is that? And so that you have an understanding firstly of the type of personality you're dealing with. And even though they present, present so differently, there's, Mm. you know, covert narcissism where it's more hidden from most people and then overt narcissism where, you know, they can be really charismatic and can present to, I've had experience both people that present completely differently thinking they're the complete opposite yeah. people. But in fact, the behaviors, the baseline behaviors are all very much the same. They just present to the world differently. So it's recognizing mm-hmm. what, what you're dealing with. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, and understanding the patterns and themes of behavior that are playing out so that you know how to navigate that volatility without inflaming but also holding boundaries Mm, it's almost learning like to see see more clearly from within but I think you know in order to do that there's a lot of inner work that needs to be done as well because you're you you turned upside down you know and you lose 
confidence, you lose that sense of self. Do you, do you have to have do healing to be able to leave? What if you just, what if you're here, you know, it's messy, but you want to get out. Can you, you leave? Yeah, of course you can leave. But if you're not telling mm. anyone and you don't have, you know, different, the different mm. support systems coming into play, it's pretty hard to stay strong. So it's, it's being brave enough to whether that's share with family or friends or, or, you know, speak to a therapist or speak to someone or, you know, research uh, controlling behavior. What does that look like? So there's a there's a tool that a lot of psychologists use called the power and control wheel. I don't know if you've ever seen it, but it mm-hmm. it basically dissects yeah. all the different types of um, behaviors that can come um, up in these types of relationships. And you don't have to tick every single box for that to equal you're in a narcissistically abusive relationship or coming out the back of one. Mm-hmm. But it will certainly bring to light uh, like there's you know, this is going on. This is really serious. These are forms of abuse. Like I didn't realize that Mm -hmm. someone taking control of your financial was financial abuse. I didn't know that financial abuse was a thing in relationships when I was married. Um, And it just, that sort of thing subtly creeps in. And it's really hard to define sometimes because, you know, you, it's natural that you want to merge your finances with someone that you love and intend to marry and have children with and share the rest of your life with. Like, it's a natural thing and you, you're building a relationship based on what you believe is trust. Um, mm-hmm. And so this is where the subtleties creep in and all of a sudden, you know, that person's agenda might actually be very different to yours and you just don't, you just mm. don't realise that. So, yeah, I've experienced, you know, a certain type of... Um, you know, controlled environment within um, one relationship and in another relationship where they presented completely differently. I've experienced serious financial abuse, serious emotional psychology, like like on a whole new level and in a really short time frame. So it was like it was it was that, but on you know, it was the serious love bombing and the gaslighting and the whatever in a very short period of time, which also flips you on your head and make, and just gives you a super amount of confusion and like, um, do they love me or do they to think I'm a broken woman? Because one minute they tell you how wonderful they are and the next minute they tell you how broken you are. So and that all happens in such a condensed time. And mm-hmm. the next minute, you, you know, <laughs> you know. It, Getting thousands of dollars of therapy because everything is your yeah, fault. Yeah, basically. <laughs> and you're trying to look and you're trying to look and see how have I done this? Because you, you are so deeply open to taking responsibility and sorting things out and helping mm-hmm. it work out that suddenly you're so deep and fixated that this is your fault and what have you done wrong? Mm-hmm. And then self-doubt on self-doubt of self-doubt or self-doubt or lacking self-trust which then breaks you so that when you do go to leave and have moments of this is wrong well that doubt's there just to like Mm. undermine you and pull that carpet out underneath you and you stay a little bit longer (laughs) yeah and then when she comes it's it's hurts hurts. and then and then coming out the back of all of those you know relationships Mm. obviously just so heartbroken and and mm-hmm. uh, like shameful and embarrassed like how did I ever get myself into this yeah. and all those deep dark feelings mm-hmm. of like what kind of a person am I must be you know this is this is this mm-hmm. all my fault dealing with all of that and then 
Which, of course, it's not. Absolutely. Just in case someone's listening, they're like, I, I resonate with that, but they're not hearing the underlying message, which is it no. is not your fault. Yes, there's responsibility to be taken. Yes, there's yeah. healing to be done, but it's your not your fault and you are not a no, horrible person. Absolutely. Mm. So what's the next, like, after that insight, then what? What do you tend to, yes, yeah, support people to, like, move out of that and get into, like, full where you are now? It's a process of just recognising what's going mm. on and then just gently supporting their individual journey as to how they do, mm-hmm. uh, like, take the next state, steps in their life um, that enable them to feel safe and um, trusting in themselves. Um, just a gentle, like support of connecting to self and that reassurance and knowing that uh that what they're dealing with is not healthy you know and um it's just that unravels um (laughs) individually for everyone I think it's just I think there's deep healing in in having a conversation with someone that just knows even though every situation is different that just knows and recognizes and can help you realize that what has been causing you so much pain and suffering is is not you that it's it is um, very common behaviors of other people that are suffering and they're just projecting it onto you Mm. I would love love to I have to say like I would love to um, come back on and and discuss and give like insight into um, or you do one with with you know even Mm. Rach um, or something on understanding why people do this. Ah, uh, yeah. Well, that's what well, yeah. I mean. There's so yeah. much in this, but like, yeah, I know it's yeah, it's so well. It's, it's so it, I guess too. it comes back mm. to generational trauma for all of us, doesn't it? Totally. But that's it's so intricate. Like it is so intricate because I deal with men now who are like I have clients who are doing this mm. to their mm. wives mm. and partners, and I currently am guiding them to mm. own it. And I'm sitting on the side of the fence where I am watching them continue mm-hmm. to abuse, not, not abuse physically, because mm. otherwise, of course, that would be mm. reported. Um, and not, not, but just like try to exit the, the, you know, their patterns and, and heal them, but watch them so manipulate themselves mm. and lie to themselves and helping them navigate that is wild. And this is, a, I think, so fascinating because it's a lot if you were to be faced with mm-hmm. the damage and destruction of mm-hmm. admitting you that you consciously a lot of the time it's not always but I don't believe but mm. for people that are really pathological with destructive mm-hmm. relationships and repeat patterns and it's really abusive and they do it over and over and over and over and I came out the back of that with someone that had done that um they know what mm-hmm. they're doing. And, but can you imagine yep. dealing with facing what you have inflicted upon others? I don't know, you know, that ego. That is a fire that most many, many, many right. men and women right. will not brave walking no. through. No. And, you know, yeah, it's a, it's a lot. And I, I think, you, you know, also it's worth noting that, like, I've been to therapy, this one person. And he knew exactly what he was doing. He was trying to manipulate the mm. therapist into believing that I was more the problem. So, like, it's they, they're clever. There's nowhere they won't go. Coming <laughs> on, <ones up. laughs> there's nowhere they won't go to try to make it about you and not about them. So it's yeah, of course, yeah. Um, there's all there's degrees of it. Um, 
sorry, I'm interrupting the stages. Okay. So awareness and then um, building that strength, doing inner work and then. Yeah. yeah, Just paving the way for a new life. And it's, it's so individual what that, um, what that may look like for everyone, but you know, it's, it's whether it's children involved, whether it's just having Mm. um, enough support to keep coming back and having someone remind you about what, experience you were having within that and how that doesn't serve you Mm. and 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 really connecting to the life that you want to live what do you actually want for your life um but it it, you know often often it's not just for me this wasn't just like end that relationship and then see you later by like start my new life this was like (laughs) often it has a ripple effect where it's oh Mm -hmm. well because it's kind of related to family I might have to shift some dynamics in my family here and that's going to have to change and that's going to have to change in my workplace and I'm not putting up with that boss doing that anymore because I'm basically done with people manipulating Uh me and so often Uh it's you know it's there's a lot of work and it's it's brave to to Mm. to to make the change because it needs to kind of be your life needs to be potentially cleared up in more ways than one um mm-hmm. but far out it's liberating on the other side i i'm so i'm so content it's been so painful and i've had to mm. you know also um i don't have a relationship with my mother at this time because when i was putting up boundaries with people that were causing me pain or not respecting my boundaries even within my own home that was met with you know a reaction that they didn't like so then that meant blame and yeah and what's wrong with you Carly you're you know um what you know why do you not like me doing that well this is my home this is my safe space that that's not going to have you yell at me in front of my children or whatever well because of their pathology and their and their history and their abuse boundaries feel like abuse to them yeah yeah how dare you basically the words literally would be from you know, how dare you, um, which is an interesting phrase <laughs> because it's, you know, those people feel threatened when someone's holding up a boundary. So, yeah, I put boundaries in place and, and that just meant that ultimately I lost what was potentially my support network, but ultimately I, I just needed to be my own support network because that was far more peaceful and I just stayed close to people that, truly loved me and supported me and long-term friendships and you know so grateful to a couple of very special friends that were on the phone to me every single day when I was curled up in a ball mm. thinking what have what's happened to my life <laughs> what have I done um you know um yeah. so yeah I think there's you know it it takes great strength but it's it's easily more easily done with the support of knowing someone's been through it. They understand and staying close to people that, that just love them, you know, that, mm-hmm. that believe them, even if they don't even understand it as well. Yep. Um, it's a lot it's a lot if you haven't been through it and that's I guess that's the point of this podcast too is just to connect to people that um, can relate because 
there's so much healing in a shared mm. shared story because there's so many Experience. there's so many similar um, traits, but then the it all gets expressed really differently. The variations yeah, variation. are differently. Mm. Yeah. So, what's the direction of the shared road and the kind of support you provide for these men and women? What's the direction of the shared road first? Mm. The direction is to support and offer wisdom from shared experience, both mine and and others, um, Mm. and to share uh, and give hope to people that Mm. um, you can free yourself from the binds of of dysfunction, whether it be family, relationship, and so on, Um, and just to give hope and to and support and heartfelt love on a new path. And um, what about the kind of support that you're providing for people? So I am providing mentoring and that is one-on-one sessions uh, online. And then I'll be moving into uh, working in containers, so offering group support, Mm. working, people coming together, and just working through, again, just clarity around those different stages and um, just knowledge about what it all looks like, what it is. There's lots of terms that we've used today that some people won't have ever heard about. Um, mm-hmm. And it is often new when it's a new, when you're realising that, that it's a new experience. Um, mm-hmm. So kind of breaking breaking that down. But it's from lived experience. I'm not an expert. I'm just, I'm just someone that's had a, a whole bunch of experiences that I um, now wish to support others from. Mm-hmm. And alongside all of the the deep work that you have done and the modalities that you use too, of course. Mm, thank you to you. Thank you to your wonderful support. Mm. So when can we expect the next episode? <laughs> I don't know yet. And <laughs> today was hard enough. <laughs> You're an exceptional woman, Callie McDowell. Thank you for everything. No. Truly. It, it is it is an honor and and I and I um yeah, I feel like a superstar being able to be part of the very first mm. piece of this enormous enormous web that mm. you are creating of support and healing. So well, thank, thank you. you, because without you and the last two years of working with you, I would not be here today doing this. I've, I've been dreaming it up and haven't been brave enough to, um, to bring it to light. And it's obviously multi-layered, those reasons. Mm. But, um, yeah, thank you so much for all your genuine love and guidance and wisdom and wealth of knowledge and experience in, in supporting me in every way. So... An honor to have you be here for my first episode. And thank you, Ams. I love you. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening to The Shared Road. My intention for this is to become a place of support, community, and hope through shared stories from my brave and open hearted guests. If you'd like further information regarding personalized support, and mentoring to navigate these varied complex experiences, please go to at meditation base or meditationbase.com.au.
please share, follow and leave a review so I can continue to reach as many people in need as possible. Thank you so much.